So we are going to open up Ephesians tonight, and uh, we've been talking about the, the five-fold ministry. We talk about the, each individual roles of ministry that each one of us play, that every single one of us has been called to significance. We believe that we minister together, and uh, tonight is such an honor and a privilege. We have Sean. Can we hear a little hoot for Sean? Sean is uh, going to be sharing from Ephesians with us. He's kicking it off for us tonight. It is going to be awesome. So Jesus, we just pray that though Sean is the mouth, Lord, that you are stewarding the word. We just pray that God, Holy Spirit, revelation and wisdom would flow freely from this man. God, that you would just open up, God, our hearts to see and to hear and to know, God, the wisdom and the manifold just power that you have for us. And so we just thank you, God, for Sean and for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Give Sean a hand. You're very handsy. <laughs> Sweet. I'm so stoked. The only reason I get to talk is because I'm constantly going on and on about Ephesians. And so they're like, all right, fine, we got to make him speak. Um, stoked. So I've been reading this book for, I think when I decided I wanted to learn about Ephesians, I read it for six months straight. I mean, just like every day, I read it maybe two or three times through because I was so frustrated with just the fact that I never... Um, progressed as a Christian for a long, long time. I'd, I'd read and I'd pray and I'd do all these things and um, it was just frustrating. And we all know Eric um, and who he is and I just want to give you an idea of who I am. I mean, he's kind of an extremist without all the like, uh, you know, blowing things up. He's just, if I'm going to do something, it's going to be extreme. If it's going to be wheels, it's going to be big wheels. And, and me, I'm completely different, but... Um, I've got plenty to share with you guys. And so um, my family background is different than any other family you've ever met. Um, in fact, my, fam my entire family came to Christ out of spite, which sounds ridiculous, but when you hear the story, it's like, oh, that makes kind of sense. My uh, grandfather was Hindu in Sri Lanka. And, uh, and so he, he goes to this priest and he says, I want a son and what do I have to do? And they gave him all sorts of weird things to do. They said, you know, burn this incense and pray this thing. And they had these like, I, I always assumed they had like one of those gross bubbling green things that they had him drink for like three months before he did the deed. And it was just, and for nine months he did this. And then he goes and they have a girl and he's just, ah! Why did I have a girl? And he just takes all the idols and he chucks them out the window and he goes, all right, from now on, we're all Christians. And in Sri Lanka, it makes great sense. Like 99% of people are Hindu or Buddhist or something else. So to say like we're Christians is like to spite everything. And out of that came a whole bunch of Christians. It, it initially was just we're going to go because we're kind of afraid of this guy who's pissed that he's got a daughter, which he ended up loving. But it just... I don't know, it's just things never happen normally in my family, and, and I'm a product of abnormality myself. And uh, so I grew up seeing this father who saw his father just get in the Word daily. I mean, as a Hindu, you are very, very uh, consistent. They, they prayed the same things, they did the same things all the time. And so when he became a Christian, he prayed and he read his Bible every day for like two hours a day. And so my dad grew up doing that and seeing that. And so when he grew up, I mean now, uh, the guy is 57. He reads his Bible every day for like two hours, prays for like an hour. Like before I'm up at like six, he's been up for like all this time. And so I, I've got this weird heritage of like Christianity through spite and just super crazy diligence. And... I grew up seeing that and I, and I wanted 
to understand why they're doing these things. And so I'm, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm in college, and I'm just frustrated. Like, the more I read and pray, the more I realize I'm supposed to look like some special Christian. I'm supposed to do all these things, and yet I could care less. I don't really want to do those things. And so it was just this constant, like, I want to be a Christian. I want to do the right thing. I'm going to read the Bible. And, and I just, it was just super cyclical, and it sucked. Like, I'd read my Bible, and I'd pray, and I'd get really excited for, like, couple months and then I'd like sin and then I'd just kind of backslide for like a couple months and that cycle got really really short to the point where it's like I'm great I'm terrible I'm great I'm terrible and it was just like this is really tiring and so really what happened was my entire Christian life has been one of frustration and just this is what they say Christ is supposed to look like this is what our lives are supposed to look like and mine is like a just a shadow of what it's supposed to be and and so I come from this a weird background of just desiring to be different. This is not my notes. And, uh, and what happened was, at some point, God heard my prayers, obviously, and just, he just started talking to me. And he led me to this book called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's this book written by this Asian man from like the 19, 1901, like super long ago. And it's all about Ephesians. And what's so cool about it is that Christianity is backwards. Um, or at least the American churches approaches Christianity backwards. If you look at Adam and Eve, I mean, the creation, we all know the story, the day, the, when he did it, how many days it took, all of that. But what really happened was God did a whole bunch of work and then he rested. And, and he created Adam in the process. And so we, I mean, when did he create Adam? It wasn't like day four to help him form the oceans. We, Adam was created on the sixth day and he rested. And, and what we try to do is we try to just, well, what Satan wants to convince us of is that we don't begin our lives in rest. We begin our lives doing things and looking like such and such and just being a, a diligent man of God that's going to achieve. But really, God works and then rests, whereas man rests and then works. And so that's kind of one of the central themes to sit, walk, stand, and, and just how it describes Ephesians is that Rather than trying to walk first, we must first know who we are, what we believe, and just rest in what Christ has done. And so we, we read these verses like, forgetting what is behind, I press onwards, and uh, let us run the race of endurance. And so we assume that Christianity is this running, this race, this training. I mean, and we hear it from pastors. Every Christian has heard the, I'm going to train. It's not trying. There's different ways of putting it, but essentially it's, Here's what your life is supposed to look like. Now try and look like that. And it's just backwards. And so I'm really excited, stoked, just super excited. Because what Ephesians is, is a Christian roadmap to how do you go from just nothing and just unhappy with your life to the righteous man of God and woman, that you, man, of, man and woman, here we go, man and woman of God that they've called you to be. And Paul thoroughly understood this. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, um, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he went on to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul, the writer of Ephesians, is this guy. When I'm weak, then I am strong. He recognizes the uselessness of himself. And really, that's kind of what God's been doing in my life. I just, I feel small and just, I feel like I can't uh, achieve all the things that God says without the understanding of who God says I am. 
And so Watchman Nee is, is a similar guy. He's, he was in China in the 1900s when, uh, early 1900s, when they were just persecuting Christians. And so he went through all of the things Paul did. I mean, he was in jail, he was beaten, he died in prison, spent the last 20 of his life, 20 years there. And so I feel like he's, um, he is perfectly set up to understand Paul's message in Ephesians. And so um, that's kind of where we're going is we want to, what we're going to do is we're going to buy this book for anyone who wants it. So we've got a sign-up sheet in the back, and I'll remind you guys at the end. But essentially, I get the opportunity of introducing you to guys to Ephesians and just getting you amped about it. And, uh, and then we're going to go through it this summer, and it's going to be extremely exciting. Um, so with that being said, turn with me to Ephesians if you've got your Bible. If you've got your sweet, nifty cell phone, do that as well. Um, if you don't have a Bible, some of these little tables have Bibles. Um, but you should have your Bible. Um, so, Ephesians is unlike a book anywhere else in the Bible. Just like you all are different and there's just great qualities about you, so every book in the Bible has some difference to it. If you read Galatians, it was written to religious people who were really religious. They're like, all right, we started in grace, but now we're going to work out our faith in uh, just works. We're going to look good. And, and so that was written to really religious people. If you read a Philippians, they sucked at unity. If you read Thessalonians, they were caught up in false doctrines. Every book has some specific hang-up that it's discussing. But Ephesians is completely different. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not trying to fix any one problem. It's actually just a very uh, perfect letter to a church that's trying to learn how to grow. How do you get from, I'm a new Christian, I don't know what to do, or I've been a Christian forever, and I'm stuck in this cyclical loop. It is, how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? And uh, either a lot of people, like the great scholars, um, of whom I'm not one, I read what they say and, you know, write it down, but... They said that either this was a book specifically to, or this was a, either this was a, a circular letter, so a letter written to the Church of Ephesians that they would just send to all the churches, or this was a letter that was vague enough that they could apply it to other churches. And so, really, this is perfect for us because we're very much in a growing season. And what we want to see happening now is going from the excitement of worship and the just, you know, tears on the face and all of that to, you know, the men and women of God that God's called us to be and just really, really deep. And uh, so I'm really excited that we have this book to uh, press into because what it tells us is not how to be great men and women of God. It tells us who we are in Christ. So it says you're sons and daughters of the King. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been predestined to uh, just amazing things. And so it's just promise after promise after promise. And then after he's described this promise, then he goes on to tell you what he wants or how you should be walking. And so, well, before I get there, um, I just want to give you a, kind of a brief overview of the sit-walk stand book. I've, I've already given you the, the small idea, which is that you don't walk first, you sit first. And so the, the central verse in that is that, um, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great grace, even when we were dead in trespasses, he raised us up together and caused us to sit together in the heavenly places. And what that is, is he's, he's, he's saying that we were sinful, but God, 
really gave us a different perspective. He's called us, caused us to sit in Christ. And what that is is a resting place. It's just a knowing what God says about you and not letting anybody else say anything different. I mean, I, I've had pastors say these things and this is what your life's got to look like and I would constantly say negative things about my life. I'm a sinner. I'm useless. I suck in this area. And, and I just constantly spoke crap over my life and, and then I never got anywhere. And what this is is life. And it's hope and peace. And so he's, he wants, what, what Watchman basically tells us is that once we get in this mentality, once we really rest in all the things that we're going to be studying, then only can you walk. And so uh, Ephesians 4 says, walk worthy of your calling. And that's really what we try to do. We, we skip the whole rest and we immediately start trying to walk. And that's really just sin management. That's just trying to achieve things. And, and I'm so that. The, the whole self-achievement type, that's, I mean, the, what is it, type A? That's, that's what our society values. They, they want, you know, these type A people. When, they, when I went to interviews, they'd say, you know, what's your personality type? And I'd be like, oh, I'm type A. And I'd go on and on and they'd go, hired. And, and that's exactly what our society wants. And really, it's a construct of Satan, this world is, is really what, he's trying to thwart the purpose of God in our lives. And one of those ways is to try and get us to achieve righteousness, to be what God has already said we are and wants us to just walk out. And then everybody knows uh, Ephesians 6. Have you ever been in church, you know, the putting on the, what is it? Uh, the full armor. There we go. And it's, you know, you got a helmet, you got a sword, you got a chest plate, you got a belt. It's sweet. But and it's all about standing. It says, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of Satan. And we try and do this. We try to stand. And, and, and it's basically just fighting temptation. And if you're trying to fight temptation out of a who you think you are, um, Satan's going to have all this crap to talk, talk about. He's going to say, no, you messed up last week and you didn't do this right and you really don't understand this and you're fake. And, and it's because your walk, our walk, is based on this just weak, man-made image. We're called to sit first in Christ and really rest and understand all that he says about us. Then we can walk according to who he says we are. If we fall, if we mess up, God picks us up and says, no, 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 this is who you are. Don't worry about it. And he forgives our sin and he leads us to just a, a life, lack of, life lacking shame. And, and then when we, we stand in the righteousness of who Christ says we are, and we understand, we're walking that out, then when we try and stand against Satan, it doesn't matter what he says, we know what Christ says about us. Our reality has been defined by Christ. And so it brings health and life and strength to our, our walk. And so what we want to, I mean, this is kind of the overarching theme of Ephesians is that there's, a, there's, a, there's order to Christianity. There's order to getting depth. There's order to everything. I mean, if you think about it, God is a God of order. He's just, he's, he's consistent in that. And so why would he birth you all and me into Christianity only to see us flounder, only to see us try and do things? No, he's, he set out in Ephesians how we can go from the milk drinkers to the meat eaters. And uh, I just, I'm really excited that we're getting to this. I've been, um, when I realized, when, when, I, when this came to my mind, I was, this was earth shattering. I went from uh, just fighting my way through life to like this period of like six weeks where like literally I was perfect. There was no, like no sin was attacking me. I felt like this is what Christ says I am and there's nothing else that can change that. And it was such a like 
earth-shattering thing. Since then, I've found out I'm not perfect, but I, I, it still changes everything. And so now I walk through, I mean, every, every verse I read now in the Bible is seen through this lens of, of sit, walk, stand and Ephesians. And so what I'm really excited to be talking to you about this because I, I'm convinced that if you walk with us through it, if you study it, if you really get it in you and buy the bo- or get the book for free and read it on your free time, it, it'll change your life. And it'll give you strength where you never know you had it. And it'll just, it'll add order and strength to your life. So, um, the, the book of Ephesians is split up into three chapters of doctrine and three chapters of uh, practical stuff. And really, uh, most books, the doctrine is super heavy. Like if you read Hebrews, Romans, you can only get like six verses, maybe. Like I struggle with two. Before I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to go like watch TV. And, but this, that's because it was written to Jews and they're trying to describe to them, take them from this like, uh, they're trying to reason with them. But Ephesians is written to a, uh, a Gentile church. And so when he's uh, describing this, this uh, doctrine, it's not so like technolo- or not technologically, it's not so like crazy advanced that we can't walk through it and enjoy it and get excited about it. Um, and, and really what happens is as we, as we get the, as we really just dive through Ephesians 1 and 2 and, and get 1, 2, and 3 through us, this walking section that shows up in 4 is going to be tremendous. So uh, stick with us. It's really, really exciting. Um, and, and really, like one of the reasons that everybody loves James, if you read James, you're like, I can apply that. Like almost immediately. You read one line, you're like, that works. And it's, it's, like I used to, when I was a young Christian, I read James and I'm like, yeah, Christianity is easy. Like I just need to do what this says and my walk will be dope. And, and I tried <laughs> holier than thou. And I tried being, doing all these things and really without the doctrine, without like a, a, like a, something to stand on, I was just trying to perfect my faith and really I was just trying to walk. So I'm really excited that this is, is presented in such a, you know, a neat way. So starting in verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This, I could go on, I love this verse. Like I'm trying to memorize chapter one and what you realize when you're trying to do that is that 13 times it says in him, six times it says according to, you're like, this is the same thing. Like I, I get through like five verses and then my mind like shuts off. But I'm, I love, I love Ephesians. It's really nerdy. Um, so what we get out of this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is one, the author, Paul. And Paul is perfectly suited for describing this. John loved love. And, and all of these guys had different bents, different ways that they came to just the truth. And Paul's was revelation, that he, he received revelation. In fact, he, he wasn't one of the apostles. He didn't walk with Jesus, and Jesus didn't teach him all these things. He had to learn afterwards. And so um, it says in Galatians 1 or 2, it says uh, that he received uh, Christ by revelation. And so we all know he was, he was walking. He was on his way to uh, persecute the church. Jesus showed up, blinded the guy, and, and just started revealing to him who he was. 
And, and then, so instead of immediately going up and hanging out with the apostles, they were all afraid of him. He, he just kind of sat somewhere and he got some rev more revelation and it said that eventually he went up by re revelation. So basically, he, he learned of Christ by revelation. He, he, learned, uh, he like learned even more about Christ and then he went out and you know, preached and wrote amazing things. But it was all through revelation and that's really key is that he didn't immediately start walking. His first step was sitting. His, well, that's poorly worded. But um, it's, his life is a life of led by revelation. That's really one of the keys I want you to take away from this is that you're not going to be able to uh, study this and get a whole bunch out of it. Really, what, the way that I want you to attack it um, is just open it up pray for revelation and just see what happens. I mean, that's all I did. I read this and at the end of every chapter in the, these modern books, they give you this like, all right, now let's apply this and let's do that. And really, uh, he ends every chapter of his book with, Lord Jesus, would you give us more revelation that we might understand? He just prays over his readers. And so the, I just followed suit and it was tremendous. And if you've ever read uh, anything written by Paul, aloud, you sound like a complete moron. Like, there's no periods anywhere. If, have you ever read it? It's ridiculous. You're reading it out loud, and you're like stopping mid-sentences, and it's just, you sound like an idiot. It's because he, uh, I didn't know this. I, I read this yesterday. I'm, I'm excited that I finally know why he was such bad, he was such a bad grammar guy. It was because he dictated. So he's, you picture him like strutting up and down, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. And he just goes through and some guy's writing down everything he's saying. And I just, I love that, that visual that he's just, he's not sitting there sweating in a prison, but you know, with this kind of prideful, not prideful, but just like excited about who Christ has said he is. He's, he's writing this letter to these churches and kind of exhorting them to growth. And the other thing we get from this is the recipients, right? To the faithful in Christ Jesus, Right? And the, saint, the saints in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. And really, we, we know who this is written to. Now, I kind of talked about that, that. This may have been a, a circular letter going on and on to just different churches. And so I think we should take this book. I mean, if you just read it as a book, it's just a book. But if you read it, if you read the Bible as a love letter from God or direction from God, if you take it as something sp sp written to you... <laughs> then it's, it suddenly takes meaning. And so what I would say is that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints at Epic Life and the faithful in Christ Jesus, this is written to you. And if you take it in, if you read it, if you think about it, it's gonna become a part of you. And so um, I have four, four thoughts for you. I'm really excited about it. Two of the thoughts are very closely the, the same, so you really have to pay attention to my wording. But um, the first one, it, and it's based off this last verse, Verse three is really, so we get, we get author, we get recipients, and he writes that little tagline, grace to you and peace from God our Father, blah, blah, blah. He writes that to everyone. I, I'm not super excited about that verse. But he says, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is huge. That is like the theme. If, if sit, walk, stand is the theme of the book, blessed be, or every spiritual blessing is kind of like the introduction to all we're gonna learn in, in chapter one. And really, that's really what I want to focus on tonight. Um, and so the first point is, everything has already been given to us. Um, John 1.16 says, Of his fullness have we, received, have we all received, grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, 
but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's a very exciting verse, but it's, it's my, my favorite part is that first portion that says, we have received, of his fullness we have received. So it's not, I gave you a little bit, or I just you know, hinted to you some of the things. He said, I've given you everything of the fullness we have received. And then John 3.34 has the same kind of message. It says, for God does not give the spirit by measure. And we're used to just kind of being content in what we have. You know, I have one of the, I think the coolest thing about my walk is not my ability to read the word or my heritage and my family who studied and read it. It was just that I was discontent. I, I just was dissatisfied with what I had and I knew I needed more. And so when I read this and I go, God hasn't given us a spirit by measure. He has given of his fullness we have received. I'm like, why doesn't that show up in my life? Why don't I see that? It's, it's supposed to. It's, it's just frustrating when you read something and it's not showing itself. And so I, I've started to pray for revelation of kind of this truth. And, and as I'm praying for revelation about of the fullness and, and just every spiritual blessing, as I'm trying to figure out what that says, um, God led me to this other verse, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Um, his de- no, that's actually not the verse he led me to, but I like it anyway. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which he has been given, by which, having been given us exceedingly great and precious promises. See, it's difficult. No periods. You got just commas. That through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he says, all, you've, give, you're, you've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. And when we hear these things, fullness, and, and we should desire to see those things in our life. It, it's, there's this one verse, I, I always forget where it was, but it says basically, the wise man will see himself in a mirror, or I don't know if it's a pool and he looks down, but he basically sees himself and, and he goes away and remembers what he looks like and he, like, he changes. And the fool will look down and he'll see it and then he'll walk off unchanged. And we want to be men and women of God who when we see things like this, God said he has been giving us all things pertaining to life and godliness, we should go, why don't I look like that? And, and seek it. I mean, we want to we be responding to the word. And the, the, the Bible, what we get from all of this is that God is a giving God. He, he wants to give and pour out and just, he, at one point he says, if you being wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the God of the universe be able to give good gifts to those who ask? It's, it's nothing about, I'm sitting in heaven judging you and if you don't start to shape up, I'm gonna completely smite you off the face of the earth. No, it says that I'm a loving father. I have all of these blessings for you. Many I've given you already, you just don't know what it's about. And so that's my first point. Everything has been free, uh, has been given to us already. And my second point is this. Everything has been freely given to us. It's, it's very similar to the first verse, first, first point. Everything has been given to us. Everything has been freely given to us. But what's important is to understand that it's, it's he, he delights in giving us these things. And when you read Romans 8.31, we understand what then shall you say to these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Everybody reads that and you're like, boom, I wrote that on my tennis racket in college when I was you know, playing. I, if God's for us, who can be against us? I'm gonna get an ace. It's gonna be great. And I take these like little stupid Bible verses, or I take these Bible verses and I make them stupid by not 
digging into like what it really says. And he goes on to say something even more beautiful. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So he's saying he gave up his son for you. Why would he then hold back anything from you? He has already given everything he's got. And it goes on further. I mean, the word freely is in there, and I've, I never really noticed it. And this is the verse that I absolutely love. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man? So basically, you don't know what's going on in this man's life unless you're that man. So even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He's, he basically, he blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and then he didn't just like, pff, figure it out. He, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And it's very exciting because you are now no longer on your own. You don't have to just read this thing and study it and just make it your own. He, the Holy Spirit is working in your life, just leading you and guiding you into greater and greater depth. And when I'm, I'm, you know, I'm preparing for this, I'm sitting in my cubicle at work. I should be working, but I'm thinking about this. And I'm, I'm trying to just think about what this really means in my life. And I, I picture myself in Halloween. I've got the, uh, the little, like, you know, necklace with the, like, candy on it. And it's kind of, like, it's on my neck now because I've been sucking on it. And I got the little, like, Buddha belly because I've been walking around eating candy between doors. And I get home, and there's, like, a big sack of candy all around me. And my dad's like, all right. You can have as much candy as you can grab, but then you're done. So I'm like, you know, I grab a whole bunch. And I've got like sticky face and just kind of fat. And, and I got like, you know, O. Henry and a Mars bar sticking out of my hands. I'm like, yeah. And then imagine if at that point I was like, all right, let's go to the store. I need some more candy. It just sounds ridiculous. I'm like, no, why would I do that? I, I've already have all I need. And my, my dad's going to look at me and go, you're an idiot. You've got all of that. I mean, why would I give you more candy? You just need to just enjoy what you've got. And it's the same thing in our lives. We, we come and we're like, God, I need this. And all you, and no, it's, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's freely given us and he's given us his spirit so that we can understand what he's given. He's, he's exceptionally taken care of every need you have in, on this earth and we just need to understand it. And so that, that's my third point. We, first one is that we have, he's given us everything. The second point is that he's given us everything freely. He delights in it. And the third one is there's a role for the Holy Spirit. The free gift came through the Holy, I mean, our free gift comes through Holy Spirit interactions. We need to understand more about what we have, and so we just need, the Holy Spirit is there to do that in us. Um, Jesus, when he was on, I don't know where it is, John 16, somewhere. Um, These things I've spoken to you that you may, uh, that you may, that, that you should not be made to stumble. But these, these things I've told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you them. So basically, he's saying, I'm not preaching this so that, you know, you can write great books or you can, he says, I'm telling you these things so that in the right time, these things are going to come to your mind. You're going to have the word in you. And really, it says in, in John, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And then it says the word became flesh. Jesus was the word. And, he, and when he spoke, it was powerful. I mean, they wrote it in red. I don't know why. Could have written blue. But the point is, he, he was the word. And so the disciples are sitting there at his feet and they're listening to all these things and it's just becoming a part of their life. And we don't have that benefit. We can't just sit in a room like, and, and just take in. It's, it doesn't work that way. We, I mean, 
the whole, you know, meditation thing, like you're not going to get the depths of Christian life that way. It's because we now have the word. We now have to get into the word. We have to get it in us. In the same way that the disciples read this thing or listened to Jesus, so we have to find a way to get the word in us. If Jesus told these things to us so that we remember them in our time of need and we don't read the word, in our time of need, there's going to be nothing there. Have you, have you seen uh, the Simpsons movie? I love that movie. Everything is just going crazy. Like, people are looting, and it's just, I don't remember what happened. I think they were going to put a bubble over the city, and just people are freaking out. And so, like, Homer, like, runs over and, like, opens the Bible and starts flipping through it. And he's like, this thing doesn't have any answers. And it's because that's how he, he didn't, he's not studying the Bible. He's not a man of God. He doesn't, you know, he just takes the Bible, and this is what, sadly, Christians do, is we treat it like a magic eight ball. We're going to get in there, and we're going to, what do you have? I mean, like, God, I need a job. What do you, what do you think? Nah, nah, ooh, and you find something, you know, and you use that. But really, that's not the way that God wants to do this in our lives. He wants to just have it in us so, so that when the time comes, there is something he can draw on. And uh, so the Holy Spirit we, is called in John 14 the, the spirit of truth. And, and in John, uh, and then it goes on further to say in John 14, 26, uh, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to remembrance all things that I have told you. So I used to be frustrated. I'd read the word, and, and I'd you know, try and memorize it, and I never, it just didn't mean anything. And when I realized, you know, after a bunch of meditating in a, no, when I realized after just reading the word is that the Holy Spirit has been given not, that, not only to reveal this stuff to us, but that at the right time, he's going to bring the right verse to you. He's going to remind you of some beautiful truth in the word, and, and that's going to be your strength. And, and as men and women of God, I mean, it's one thing to have earthly wisdom, but the, it's, it's a completely different thing to be so full of the word that when someone's life is going to hell and they've got, they just don't know what to do and they're looking for wisdom and they're looking for just something from you and you say, boom, this is, and you bless them with some truth. It, the word of God is powerful. And if we don't get it in us, if it's not a part of our lives, it's not powerful. It's just a book. And so that's really what I want to kind of lead us in. I'm, that's what I'm trying to hint to you guys as we're going through this, is that we need to be working with God in these things. And so just as we've been given the Holy Spirit to pull these things out of us, so also we need to be working with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was with the disciples, and yes, they got this awesome opportunity to listen to Christ. And, but he said uh, in, in John 16, 12 through 13, um, I'm just going to paraphrase. He says, basically, I have so much more to tell you guys, but you can't bear it. You can't handle it. So I'm going to leave. But when I leave, you should be happy. It's going to be a good thing for you because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. So Jesus had more revelation for these disciples. And you read these guys' lives and you're like, man, I don't understand half of it. They're just, these are deep guys. And yet even Christ said to these guys, I have more for you, but your earthly you know, minds, you just can't handle it. And so he said, I'm going to leave that this Holy Spirit can un unlock and reveal greater and greater truths than I could ever preach to you. And it's the same thing. We go to church week after week, and we study, and we, we listen. But unless we're allowing the Holy Spirit to be speaking into our lives, it's, it's, we're not going to get that, that deep revelation that Jesus wanted to teach. And so that leads me to point four. Um, point three was that basically there's a role for the Holy Spirit. And point four is that 
there's a role for you. And uh, last week, Eric was talking about 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, and he was talking about, I didn't come in earthly wisdom, but I came in power. And, and he referenced 2 Timothy 3, which is incredibly powerful verse. It says, having a form of, or basically in the last time, in days, men are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money. They're going to be, and he just lists all this crap that you really don't want to see in your life. And then he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And we so do not want to be that. We do not want to look like God in the end. We don't want to try and walk well. We want to have all of the power and all of the just truth in our lives. And then it goes on to say, these men always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's scary. I, I read that and I'm like, God, is that me? I mean, I've been a Christian for my entire life. I read about Watchman Nee and these guys and they're just up here. Am I always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth? We do not want to be that way. I mean, we can study and we can read, but if, it's, if the Holy Spirit is not involved, if we're not working with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, you will be always learning. You're going to come to the church. You're, Ten years from now, your life is going to look the same. You may be a little pudgier. You may be uh, just maybe, you know, grow a beard or something, but you're not going to be different people. You're still going to be struggling with the same just struggles. And we, as, as Christians, we don't want to look the same. It says that we, they will know them by their fruit. And we want to go into this world and we want to save the lost and we have all these great plans. But if our lives look no different than their lives, there's going to be, there's, there's no draw. They, we need to be carriers of his presence, just men and women of God who are different. And they see Christ in us and they want change. But if, if we're these guys, if we're always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, the people around us aren't going to come to the knowledge of the truth. The, our lives are going to be no different. You're going to end up getting married to people who are about an inch deep, still drinking milk. You're going to have children that walk in the same sin and foolishness that you do. And I talk to myself in this. I do not want to remain the same. I want this word to be in me. And so that's all, that's, that's our, that's just our purpose is to have these things in our life. Uh, Paul writes all these letters to all sorts of different people and obviously they're, they're often written with a purpose and well they're always written with a purpose but they're all, often written to speak to a specific church on a specific issue and so in 1 Corinthians he says I could not speak to you as spiritual people but as carnal as babes in Christ I fed you with milk not with solid food because you were not able to receive it and then he says even now you're not able to receive it it's like, I do not want to look like that. I don't want some, I don't want basically the Holy Spirit one day to say to me, you realize you are the same depth, you know the same level of the word as you did when you were 15. You are no different. I, I am so afraid that someday, I mean, I do not want that in my life. And he, the same thing is said in Hebrews. For by this time, some of you ought to be teachers, and yet you still need someone to teach you the first principles. You cannot take milk, or you can only take milk, not solid food. And we read these things and we're like, God, I do not want that. And really what, I'm, what I want to exhort to you tonight is that this word that we're, we're studying, Ephesians, is, is unlike any other book we've read. And there's so much health and life and strength and just difference that come of it that if you will, you know, go with us. If you will read the word. I mean, how, how many of you, I, I don't need to raise you to raise your hands, but think about your life. Like, when you want to go to Ephesians, do you have to go to the front of the book and like figure out on the table? Do you ever like go to the table of contents in the Bible? Or do you treat the, the Bible like an eight ball? Or like every 
like a couple months, you're like, I'm gonna read the Bible. And then you start in Genesis. And then once you get to like Leviticus and like the begots, you're just dying and you stop reading the Bible. Like we wanna be men and women of God who've got this in us. And so I'm just, I'm really excited about the fact that God has given us everything in life and he's given it freely. We have the Holy Spirit who's working in our lives, bringing these things out of us. And all we've got to do is respond and work with him. And our lives are going to look completely different. And really, if you look at chapter 1, um, it says basically, uh, after every spiritual blessing, it says, having chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having been predestined to adoption as sons. And it goes on to say, we have redemption through his blood. It goes on to say that uh, we have, he's made to abound to us all wisdom and prudence, uh, in his wisdom and prudence. There's a whole bunch of truths in there. We've been chosen in him. Uh, he's predestined us as sons. He's given us... Uh, the mystery of his will, he's given us an inheritance. All of these things should really change the way that we walk. If you, uh, it's just, the more I understand what these things say about who I am, good Lord, it's hot in here. The more I, I realize what these things say about who I am, that I've been given an inheritance, that God really does look down on me as a son. And, and he's, been, he's given me all these things because he loves me as a son. The more I feel like a son, the, the easier it is for me to walk and to be just the man of God he's called me to be. And so really what Paul does in this is in chapter 1, he describes all of these spiritual blessings that we have. And then uh, in chapter 2, he goes on to describe some more spiritual blessings. But what he does in the be between is he prays for the church. So he just says, this is truth, this is truth, this has been given to you, this is who you are. And then he says, now I'm going to pray over you. And so his prayer is that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, no, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, and what is the exceeding great power towards us who believe. And in that, so he's saying, I want, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to understand your calling. I want, and so he's praying these things over his life. And, and so in, in the same way that Paul basically introduced to them some, this concept, this amazing concept that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And then instead of going into it and just trying to teach every single facet of that, he just gives them some points about these are the things you have. And then he just prays for them. And, and really, I feel like that's what we need to do in this place is that I, I'm excited about this. We're gonna be going through everything. I mean, the sonship in Christ and the inheritance we have in God and all of these things we're gonna go through and we're gonna just really dig in and understand what that means. But we want to be led by revelation. We want the Holy Spirit to bring revelation into our lives. And so I just, I feel like I should, I should be, I, I basically I wanna pray over you guys. And I just want to pray that God would bring revelation in your lives. So if you'll bow your head with me. Father God, I thank you for every spiritual blessing. I thank you for the, the truths that are held in your word. I thank you that you have called us out of the darkness and into your light, that you have, you have, you have made us sons in Christ and you have asked us to cry out to you, Abba Father. God, you have done exceptionally good things in our lives despite us. 
And God, what I want to see, Lord God, what we desire for Epic Life is depth and passion and zeal and just a need for more of you. Lord God, that there will be a softness and a suppleness in the spirit. That, Lord God, people would open their word, Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit would just begin to pour out revelation over their lives. Lord God, I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation over Epic Life, over each and every person in this room, Lord God, that as, as they open their word, Lord God, and they say, God, show me something I've never seen before, that you would be swift and that you would be gracious in your outpouring of revelation over this group. Lord God, it is no good if we look like Christians, if we have the no uh, some knowledge and deny its power, Lord Jesus. We want to be men and women of God who are defined by depth and just so much more of you. And so, Lord God, we just pray a spirit of revelation over our lives. Lord, if, you, if you guys will please pray with me. Just ask right now, Lord God, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord God, and the knowledge of him, that we would understand being chosen in Christ, that we would know that we are sons, Lord God, that there would be no question about our walk, that Satan would have nothing in our lives because we have spent this time seeking you and just resting in who you say we are. Lord God, we agree together and we, we just commit our lives to you this summer, Lord God. We have hopes and we have dreams and we have desires and one of those, Lord God, is that we would be changed, Lord God, into your likeness, that we would understand more of your just who you are, and Lord God, that we would partner with the, the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, being led into greater and greater depth. So Lord God, we ask these things in Jesus' name, knowing that everything we ask in Jesus' name according to his word will be done. So Lord God, I thank you for Ephesians, and I thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. And the last thing I'd like to say is that there's askers, there's seekers, and there's responders. And if you're just an asker, what you're gonna end up with is you're gonna ask, and, and you're just, so that's, that looks like you're just praying and you're just wanting more, and, and you don't seek. So askers will pray and they'll never open their word. They'll, they will not uh, seek after those things. It says, ask, seek, and knock, and the doors will be open. And it, it, it's a beautiful verse. But if we just ask and we don't knock, and we, then there's no doors that are gonna be open. And, and seekers, these are guys that they really go after it and they charge it. They go after the word. And, and I formerly was a seeker, but I wasn't an asker. I'd open the Bible and I'd seek and I'd read and whatever. But without the Holy Spirit, it, it, it was just words. It was earthly wisdom. And so I would, I would urge you that you need to both ask for revelation and seek it out. And the last thing is responders. So as we, we pray these things and we ask God to show us who we are in Christ and to walk in these things, if you ask and you seek and you get all this revelation but you don't apply any of it to your life, you remain the same. And so really, what we need to be as Christians is not just askers, not just seekers, but Lord God, but we must be the, the, the complete package. We've gotta do all three of these things if we want more of Christ. And so I'm really excited about... Uh, studying with you guys the, the future of Ephesians. And we've got uh, a sign-up sheet for this book, Sit, Walk, Stand. It's literally the simplest book you've ever read. Like, you'll read it in like 10 minutes, and then you'll go, oh, man, I should have read that slower. And, you'll, and then I ask that you go back and read it again. Because it's, it's, you don't need fancy words and really, really in-depth, like, you know, theological, you know, what, what are those? You, you read uh, commentaries, and these guys use big words and describe things that they've never experienced. This book is written by a guy who's in prison. I think, I was, I'm convinced that when he wrote this book, he just had the New Testament. Like, 
most of his writings do not reference the Old Testament. This is a guy who is whipped and beaten for Christ. And so when he, when he gives revelation, it's simple. And that's really the way it is with our walk. As, as God starts showing you things, you're going to hear something and you're going to go, eh, and you're going you're gonna to come next week and you're going to say, I've, I've read and I've prayed and I'm really not getting any revelation. Revelation is small little concepts. I mean, the idea that you shouldn't walk first, but rather sit, it seems like such a simple thing. And, and I went through it with a bunch of buddies when I was in college, and they got nothing out of it. I'm pretty sure this book is probably like propped up under a bunch of other books, but it completely transformed my life because I, I, I'm willing to believe that God's truth is better than the truth of man, that his wisdom is higher than our wisdom. And so really all he needs is just one little nudge and it'll completely change our lives. So respond with us in, in really going deeper. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for Epic Life. This is a place where I've grown so much and it's because I've, I've done those three things. I've asked, I've seeked, and I've responded. And, and I'm encouraged by the lives around me. There's so many people that are asking, are seeking, they're responding, and lives are being changed. And so if you partner with us, if you, you know, dive in this together, you're just going to get carried along in a wave of revelation that really doesn't normally get poured out on a church. Normally we get like little, little things, but God is doing amazing and mighty things in our midst. And so just seek with us, and I'm, I, I guarantee you, like, we'll give you your money back on these books if they don't change your life. So anyway, that's all I've got. If the worship team can come back up, I'm, I'm done. Spent. <laughs>